morning, I'm excited to be able to share the Word of God with you. I've got a, a two-part series. And so you, I know you're here this week, so you've got you to come back next week. And, um, and uh, this, this message today is not really just a, a message I wanna preach, but it's a message I wanna prophesy into your hearts. Is that we have a God who is a God of increase. And this morning, I just want to preach about increase and growth. I want to prophesy unto you as individuals, as families, as household, the increase, the enlargement, the growth of God. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to dwell on this over the next couple of weeks. It's a passage of Scripture that talks about Jesus and the story of Jesus' life when He's 12 years of age is we, we know a, a bit about Jesus' birth and his infant years there. And then there's like a gap of like almost, you know, nine, 10 years of his life. And then we find this great promise, this great uh, increased scripture. And then we have the story of Jesus' life. And then there's another statement of increase about his life that takes place somewhere down the, in the future. But what this story relates to me is that you and I, are in a position where God wants to enlarge us and increase us and cause growth and expansion to come around our lives. And so here, the story of Jesus of 12 years of age is bookended by two great increase accounts of the life of Jesus. The first one says this in Luke 2 and verse 40, and the child Jesus grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. It is that Jesus grew, he became strong in spirit, he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And we can simply say, well, that's just Jesus. No, no, no. Jesus was 100% God, but also 100% human like you and I. And if God designed that his life would increase, well, God's also designed that our lives would also increase, that we would grow, that we would be filled with wisdom and the grace of God would be upon us. This word grace is a word that we as believers just hang on because it's changed everything about our lives. There's no eternal future without the grace of God. It's by His grace that you and I are reconciled with God, that we're in a place of, of committing and sa God saving our lives. Uh, is the word grace comes from a Greek word, uh, charis, which means this. It means God's goodness, God's kindness, God's favour, and God's blessing. It can change this passage and the grace of God was upon it and the kindness and the goodness and the favour and the blessing of God was upon him. This morning I am prophesying into your life the goodness and the kindness and the blessing and the favour and the enlargement and the increase and the growth of God over your life. Others, you may have heard the definition of grace is it's God's unmerited favour. And yes, it is. It's that God favours us when we weren't even deserving of His favour. Is that He took the penalty of our sin upon Himself so that we could have not just life, but life abundant with Him. But there's so much more to grace. It's, it's, grace is God's power. It's a supernatural power of God that He places over our lives that we can be all that God calls us to be and that we can accomplish the mission that God has for us. It is grace that makes the New Testament new. It is grace that makes the Gospel not just news, but it makes it really, really good news. But there's more to grace. And the grace of God was upon Him. Is it? The grace of God is also the nature, the power of God to produce real, practical, tangible results in 
our lives. And there's a number of passages of Scripture. Let me just share a few with you. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace, all kindness, all blessing, all favour, all goodness abound towards you, so that you having all sufficiency in all things at all time, that you may abound in every good work, is that God's grace makes you and I sufficient for every good work. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here, Paul has been crying out to God. He says, I've cried out three times that you would remove this thorn in my flesh, this place of, of suffering in my life. And God, Jesus responds to him saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Is that His grace produces practical results in our life. It enables you and I to deal with times of disappointment, times of suffering as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 says, By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am, and His grace towards me is not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me is the grace of God will enable you to work harder than anyone else. <laughs> you and I are designed to be the very best employers and employees. Well, we are designed to go the extra mile not through our strength, but through the strength of God. There is so much to the grace of God. It says here, and the grace of God was upon him and the grace of God is upon you and me today. Then we have the story of Jesus' life at 12 years of age. And then it culminates in Luke 2:52. I would have to say that this is my life verse. This is a verse that I have pondered over and meditated more than any other Verse. I, I remember being 20 years of age and I was a dysfunctional, relational human being. Is I could not talk to my girlfriend then, Nadine. I could not talk to humanity. I was, I was anxious. I was full of nervousness. I, I just was not at a place of maturity. The 20-year-old should be at a place of maturity. And I remember getting this passage of Scripture and I wrote it on just everywhere, just notes on my steering wheel of the car, on the fridge door, on the bathroom wind, uh, mirror, mirror at home. And I confessed this verse over my life and Jesus increased. This morning I'm prophesying over your life the increase of God. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and in favour with men. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and favour with God and favour with men. I don't know where you are positioned in life right now. I don't know where you find yourself, but I wanna let you know today is that the favour of God is upon your life, that the grace of God is upon your life, that God has the potential to bring increase around about your life and my life if we just position ourselves to allow His increase to come over our lives. Psalm 115 and verse 14 says, let the Lord increase you more and more, you and your children and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-children. Is a generational God of blessing, of increase and of favour. Would you allow the Lord to bless you and increase you more and more and more and more? So let's look at this story. Luke 2, verse 40. And the child grew, became strong in spirit, was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years of age, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to seek him. 
I, over the next two weeks, I wanna talk about this word returned. As they returned to Jerusalem seeking Him, to return is to turn again. It means coming or going back to a person, a place or a condition. It, it's in the turning. There's something about you and I turning again to seek Him afresh, to look Him in the eyes. And it goes on now, so it was that after three days they found Him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard Him were astonished at His understanding and answers. So when they saw Him, they were amazed and His mother said to Him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why do you, did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to him. But his mother kept all these things in her heart and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and favour with men. The title of my message is, It's in the Turning. It's in the turning. I have found that turning moments change us and turning moments shape us. Is it turning moments are pivotal moments in our lives? Is it when we turn, it sets us on a new course, a new direction in life. But I found that in the turning, we can either turn the right way or the wrong way. And depending upon that choice, it'll either have positive or negative consequences or outcomes in our lives. But it's in the Turning. Do, do you remember that moment in time when your heart first turned towards Him? The most unbelievable moment there where you didn't find Him, but He found you. And maybe you're here today or online and you haven't made that decision. You haven't turned to find Him. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to receive the, the Saviour of the world. It's in the turning today. And this week I have had a song going on in my head. I don't even like the song. Do you ever get one of those moments where a song just gets stuck in your head? It's just singing it over and over again. But it's been such a great song for me to sing this week. It was the old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full into His wonderful face. And the start of this year hasn't been an easy year. It hasn't been an easy year for Pastor Mark and Lee as they lead this church and lead the college. It hasn't been an easy year for many people. But just to have that song just replaying over my head, just turn your eyes upon Jesus' might. There's no other way to look. You can look at everything that's taking place in the world around about us, but would you and I just turn and just look again into His wonderful face? Would we just see the majesty and the splendour of who He is? Is our attentions turned to so many things? For this morning, would you allow that song? I put it in your head today. Wish I could sing it to you but I'm not, I'm not gonna do that for you. But you and I would turn our eyes upon Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's, it's in the turning that changes us. It's in the turning that shapes us. It's in, in the turning that creates a pivotal moment in all of our lives. Would you and I choose to turn in the right direction? And so I'm gonna break down this story of Jesus, 12 years of age. It says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. It appears that it was a custom every year that this family, Mary and Joseph and the kids, they would travel up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. It was a three-day journey from their house in Nazareth up to Jerusalem 
to celebrate the Passover. Another significant uh, statement in that passage is it says that Jesus was 12 years of age, a significant year in the life of a Jewish boy as uh, he turns, there's something in the turning, as he turns from a boy into a man. And the Apostle Paul said these words, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I, I wonder for us men in the congregation today is what do we need to turn from? Well, what, what boyish ways do we need to put away and then turn into who God has actually called us to be? And so the family went up to celebrate Passover every year. Uh, for those that aren't aware what the Passover was, is that the Israelites had been in a place of bondage a place of slavery for 400 years in Egypt and God was going to bring deliverance to that generation. And He instructed them that an angel of death is going to come one evening and so I want you to prepare a sacrifice and I want to take you the blood of that animal, apply it to the doorposts and lentils of that house and when the angel of death comes that night, he will pass over those households and those individuals where the blood has been applied to their house. An incredible day of deliverance, that freedom came after 400 years of bondage and 400 years of slavery. The first point or thought that I have today is this, is who you have with you is more important than where you're going. Who you have with you on the journey is more important than the destination you'll find yourself in. And this morning, I want you to get this. If you don't get this point here, is you won't get this whole message. And we have to realise this is a family, Mary, Joseph, the kids, and Jesus is with them. And they're going to the Passover to celebrate the historical event of Passover. Who you and I have with us is more important than where they are going. Is they have Jesus with them. Then he's 12 years of age and the real Passover lamb is going to celebrate the historical event of Passover. That they are bringing Jesus, the Redeemer, to celebrate their great day of redemption. That they are bringing the miracle worker in Jesus to celebrate the great day of the miracle working power of God that brought them out of bondage and into a place of freedom. They are bringing their deliverer to celebrate their day of deliverance. They are bringing the healer to celebrate their day of healing. They are bringing salvation to celebrate their day of salvation. They are bringing the real Passover lamb to celebrate the historical event of Passover, that, that just spins me out. But who you and I have with us is more important than where we are actually going. And I think at times we have a tendency to forget who we actually have with us on this journey, is we seem to have the end in mind. Rather than focusing on who we have that's actually ordering our footsteps to that destination, the steps of a good man, they are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good woman, they are ordered by the Lord. Who you and I have with us is more important than where we are going. Because you and I, we have the Lamb of God journeying with us. We have the healer with us. We have the miracle worker with us. We have salvation with us. We have the deliverer with us. Who you and I have with us is so much more valuable, so much more important than where we're going. If you and I have Jesus with us, it doesn't matter the destination. We've got Jesus with us. 
But so often we get so focused on the destination, we forget actually who we have with us that can get us to the destination. Don't lose who you have going after what you want. Don't sacrifice who you have right now in your world. Don't sacrifice what you have right now in your world going after what you want. Jesus said words like this, well, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul, lose his relationship? What does it profit us? And there is nothing wrong with gain. I'm prophesying increase and enlargement and growth over your life. But don't seek the gain of the world. Seek the gain that God can bring to you and I, because He's a God of increase. He's not a God of diminishing returns. He's not a God of division or subtraction. No, He's a God of addition and multiplication. He's a, he's a God of increase. It's okay to have gain, but don't lose. Don't lose relationship with God. Don't lose relationship with others for the sake of just accumulating something more in life. What would it profit us to gain all of that, but lose the most important things that we have. Who you have with you is so much more important than where you're going. My second thought is this. Would you and I do an inventory check and consider who and what we are responsible for? Consider who we're responsible for. And maybe during this message, you just wanna reach your hand over and just squeeze your loved one's hand just to let them know, I love you. Look, there's some people doing it right now. That's so nice. So maybe you just wanna give them a big embrace and a kiss. Like, probably not appropriate in church, but people are doing it. It's like, we can get the kiss cam out right now. Like, lock it in, like Ray, there you go. Um, but there's moments that we just forget who we're doing the journey with. That we take inventory of the ones who are responsible to and the responsible for, the kids, mums and dads, we just grab your kid again tonight or tomorrow. Don't do it creepy and awkwardly. Do it coolly and just let them know how much you love, love them. I don't know how you do it coolly. I couldn't do that. Noah? No, let me go there. Reach out to your next door neighbour or Anzac Day tomorrow. Who you and I are doing the journey, we take inventory of who we're responsible for and what God has entrusted to us. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, as His divine power has given to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Is that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You and I think can think we're empty vessels at different times. No, no, no. God's given us all things that pertain to this life and also to godliness and the standard of righteousness that He desires for our lives. He's given us all things. Would you take an inventory of what that looks like in your life, of what God has actually deposited in you, of who God has surrounded you with? Would you place a high priority and a value on those things that God has entrusted to you? I'm amazed this week as I even considered it as to how much God trusts us. He trusts us implicitly. There were times where I did not trust my son with my motor vehicle. <laughs> but God trusts us with everything that He has to offer us as sons and daughters, as co-heirs, as co-laborers. There is nothing that He withholds of His nature that He trusts us completely. He trusts us with the gospel of the good news. 
that we would take that gospel and we would share it to the world around about us. He has no other plan. He trusts us implicitly with that. He trusts us with the gifts and talents He has placed inside of our lives as the Master came and gave five and two and one. And we can say, well, that's not fair. Why does He give us all the same starting point in life? No, it's not about the starting point of life. It's about how we actually finish. That God could bring increase to five, He can bring increase to two and bring increase to one. And the same words He speaks over our lives, well done, good and faithful servants. Is that God trusts us. On this Baptism Sunday, God trusts you. He trusts you to go through the waters of baptism and come out a new resurrected life to bring glory and honour to Him. He trusts you and I to go through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we would have the empowerment of God inside of our lives, that He would declare you and I as temples of the Holy Spirit, that we would carry His presence into a lost and broken and dark world. He trusts you with that. And I encourage you, if you haven't been water baptised, I pray you get water baptised. And if you haven't been baptised in the Holy Spirit, oh my gosh, it's a life-changing moment. I remember being 16 years of age and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you may not understand what that is. You may not understand what it looks like. Our guys will give you instructions of what it is, but it changed my life to have the power of God resident inside of you and of me. Is that God trusts you He trusts us to go into all the world and make disciples. He trusts you and I to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Is that God trusts you implicitly because He's given you all things that pertain to life and godness. Paul said to Timothy these words in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 20. He says, Timothy, would you guard what God has entrusted to you? Timothy, would you put a fortress around what God has entrusted to you, not to keep it to yourself, but to release it to others? Would you, would you enable a security system around about your life, around about your mind and your heart that you would execute what God has entrusted to you? He has given you and I so, so much. Will we take inventory of who we are responsible for and what we are responsible to accomplish and do? I found out in my journey through life is that what God has trusted me with may not look valuable right now. It may not look fully mature right now. It may be just in the incubation stage of development and growth. And in this story, I'm reminded that Jesus is only 12. He has not been fruitful. He has not done any deliverance. He's done no miracles. He's done no healings. He's done no salvation. He's done no, he's 12 years of age. Is not fully mature. He's not fully developed. And we at different times can discount that and say, God, what you've given me, it's, it's not fruitful right now. It's immature right now. It's still just in the incubation stage. And that can be frustrating, but it's the best place for it to be. For you and I to enable, enable God to continue to breathe over it. As you and I continue to just give it to God and say, hey God, I just give my gift back to you. I give this area back to you. God, would you bless it? Would you multiply it? Would your grace be upon it? Would you bring increase? Would you bring enlargement over that area of my life? Don't discount it because it's not fully fruitful right now. Don't discount him because he's 12 years of age. And even there was a promise years ago that he'd be the great deliverer. We haven't seen any of that yet, Mary. But would you protect it and would you nurture it? 
Don't belittle, devalue or compare what God has placed inside of your life. All you simply have to do is allow the breath of God to breathe over it, to bring enlargement, to bring increase, to bring glory to His Name and to change the world around about us. See, gee, God could have formed a fully grown Jesus. He could have formed Jesus at 30 years of age. He did it before with the formation of human being. He took the dust of the ground, fashioned, formed, breathed the breath of life. And God could have created a fully grown Jesus. But I love that He didn't because we see the development of His life and we see the involvement of God's over His life to see Him come from a place of immaturity to maturity a place where there's no fruit to a place where there's great fruitfulness and a place out of the incubation stage and changer of life to an absolute world changer. Could you dare to believe that God still has got hope and purpose and future for you? I am prophesying increase, enlargement, growth, expansion today. Would you and I take an inventory of who and what we're responsible for? Job 8 verse 7 says this, though you're beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. Verse 43, and when they finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So the family have celebrated the Passover, they're now on the journey back home (laughs) and they lose the Son of God. (laughs) Of all the people you don't wanna lose, you don't wanna lose the Son of God. And they lose the Son of God on the way back home after celebrating the Passover. Who you have with you is more important than where you're going. (laughs) They lose Jesus. Can you believe it? Have any parents ever lost a child here? (laughs) So many, too many heads. Me as well. And if you are a child that has been once lost by your irresponsible parent, on behalf of all parents, I just want to say sorry, all right? <laughs> we'll deal with it right now. But when you lose your child, even if it's just the moments, or for an extent, it's horrific. It's, man, it just grabs you in a moment. I know this week as a family, we went to the park and I had Lenny, my two-year-old granddaughter, we went into the playground there. The playground's like fully fenced, all right? She's not going anywhere. There's family members everywhere. I'm just looking after Lanny. She's made another friend in the playground there. They're going up and down the slide, this enclosed in slide. And I think I'm watching her. I think I've got like great attention to detail. I know everywhere she's going. And this one time she went up to the top of the slide with a friend and I was watching the bottom. I don't know where I started to look, but I was watching the bottom of the slide and uh, she never came down. I was like, that's taken a real long time to come down that slide. Like, is she stuck? So I went down and looked up the slide and she wasn't there. Now, I thought I was watching her so, so closely, but she was not in that little tunnel. For a moment there, my heart just like skipped a beat. I have lost my granddaughter in this park. I will never be allowed to have her by myself in any position in the future. But just like, it's fully enclosed. Like, it's all okay. 
And so just for moments, I looked and there she was just climbing the stairs to go back down the slide again. It was, it was one of those, I, just, I lost my granddaughter. But it was just for a moment. Here it says, they lost him and they didn't even know about it for a full day. Imagine losing your kid. Losing the Son of God and not even knowing he's missing for a full day. They, they couldn't even go to the police and fill out a missing person's report because they didn't even know he was missing. How do you and I, how do you lose the Son of God? How do you lose him and not even know he's missing? But I found it so simple for you and I to do the same thing. Is that we can lose Jesus and not even know that he's missing. My prayer is this week that you would never lose Jesus. Never lose him. Would you continue to to turn, just keep turning and looking, turning and looking, turning and looking in the right direction that will change you and will shape you, will mould you, that gives you love and grace and mercy and affection, puts you on the right path of life. Would you you not lose Jesus? Because I found we can very easily lose him and not even know that he's missing from our lives. We can still consider these walking with us even though he's not. I found we can get really, really good at being Christians. And I can get really, really good at preaching. And if I lose Jesus, the gifts of God are given without repentance. I can still preach, but there's nothing to it. I pray that you and I wouldn't lose Jesus and not realise or recognise He's not even with us. My final thought is this. On our journey through life, we are either moving to God or with God or away from God. Is that every step we take is either taking us in the direction in relationship with God or taking us backwards away from God. And I pray this journey through life that we would continue to run boldly into the throne room of grace because every step Mary and Joseph are taking away from the Passover, away from the celebration in Jerusalem, is every step they're taking, they're moving away from the presence of God. And they didn't even know He was not with them. I have found in this journey is that we can lose Jesus. It's, and He's not normally lost just through one moment or one action or one decision. It's a successive series of steps where we journey away from Him thinking that He's still with us. This morning, my challenge is, uh, on this journey through life, are you moving towards God and with God? Or are you taking some backward steps? So know this about the nature of God, is that God is a God who is with us. He is Emmanuel. He's with us. But He's also a God that goes before us and prepares and paves a way for us. And He's a God that's even got our back. He's got us fully surrounded. And our responsibility is to walk under His right hand of blessing, step by step, get our cadence right, not run ahead, not lagging behind, stay under that right hand of blessing over His life, allow Him to navigate our footsteps. I remember my grandma, when I was little, she was just a dot of a lady, tiny lady. I remember she was able to, she had a really strong grip. She was able just to put her hand on top of my head and she could navigate my footsteps just by her grip on my head. She could just direct me to go literally anywhere, all right? There was no way I was gonna get away from grandma's grip. 
Because just with a little turn of her hand, I would start walking in a totally different direction. I, I get that, that's how God is well. His grip's not hard. But we stay under His right hand of blessing, He navigates us. Step by step. Order our steps. God, would you architecturally design every footstep we take in pursuit of you in this year of pursuing God as our theme. This morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, just declare the great love of God. As a God loves you so much, no matter where you're positioned right now, He loves you. His love is so high, it's so wide, it's so deep. We can't fathom the depth of it. But He loves you so much. There comes a time in all of our lives where there's got to be a turning. As I mentioned, the turning changes us and it shapes us. It puts us on a different direction, of course, in life. And this morning, I, I wanna ask you is, do, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Does your heart need to turn and even consider incredible love that He has for you, the the price that He paid, He laid down His life so that you and I could have life. Because who you have with you is more important than where you're going. And if you have Jesus with you, He's the answer to every question. He's one that will never leave you. He's one that will love you. He's the one that will navigate obstacles and challenges with you. He's the one that will wash you clean, white as snow. Maybe you're here today and you've received Jesus, but the direction your life's travelling in right now is not towards God or with God, but it's away from God. And I would love to pray for you as well. And it's simply as this, it's simply a turning, it's just a repentance, turn 180 degrees, just walk in another direction. And I found in life that can be so difficult, but with Jesus, He makes it easy. Makes it easy for us. So today, if you're just considering who you have on your journey right now, I pray that you would consider Jesus to be the number one person to take on the journey with you. And if you need to turn, I'd love to pray for you. If you would say, hey, Mike, would you please pray for me to receive Jesus Christ? Or today I need to turn back and follow wholly after Him. I would just love to pray for you. And if you're like that today, just to acknowledge who I'm praying for, I love you with every bit of boldness. Just lift up your hand this morning. And say, hey, Mike, would you please pray for God? I need to turn, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and also as my Saviour. Once across this place, just simply just lift up your hands to experience and receive the saving grace for those online today as well. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that hand. As a turning, as a turning and looking full on his face as the others are looking across this auditorium today. You just know, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that hand. It's an incredible decision today. You just know it's a time to turn. It's time to look into His face again. So Heavenly Father, I thank You today. I thank You this is the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, Your saving grace that changes us and rearranges us and forgives us and sets us on a course of incredible relationship with You. That this morning these ones in person or online are now born again not by anything they have accomplished, but by everything, Jesus, You accomplished on the cross and Your resurrection. And Father, I pray as a journey, this great journey of being a son and daughter of God, that they would never, ever be ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we give You thanks in Your wonderful, wonderful Name. Let's put our hands together this morning for those ones that have made the decision to follow Jesus. 
and online. Congratulations, the greatest decision you would ever, ever make.